This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 26, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The House has begun a presidential impeachment inquiry. What will it look like? How might it compare to impeachment proceedings in the past? Gene Healy is author of the recent Cato paper, Indispensable Remedy, the Broad Scope of the Constitution's Impeachment Power. He comments. As best as you can tell, uh, why has Nancy Pelosi chosen now to begin uh, potential impeachment proceedings. Yeah, well, up up until this week, uh, she'd been a major speed speed bump for anybody pushing towards impeachment. Uh, she thought, you know, the polls showed that it wasn't very popular. She was worried about uh, Democrats in uh, Trump favorable districts, but the ground seems to have shifted under her. A uh, number of uh, Democratic members in those vulnerable districts have come out uh, in favor of impeachment uh, in the wake of this, uh, you know, these revelations about this uh, July 25th phone call with the uh, Ukraine's newly elected president. This really seems to have uh, moved a substantial number of the Democratic caucus into the pro-impeachment camp. So, uh, w- when we're trying to evaluate exactly what the smoking gun is or or anything like that what did this so this call between president trump and the newly elected president of ukraine uh what did they actually discuss so the allegation that we first started hearing about recently uh involved this july 25th phone call with uh, president zelensky of the ukraine and the story was that uh president trump was holding hostage uh, almost $400 million in uh, foreign and military aid in order to get uh, the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son. Uh, In other words, uh, with Joe Biden, his uh, likely opponent for the 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, And uh, that moved a a lot of Democrats uh, off the fence and uh, seems to have Push Speaker Pelosi to make uh, the announcement this week that the House was, uh, quote, moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. Uh, It's not clear that there is going to be a vote of the full House as there was in the Clinton and Nixon uh, impeachments to start the impeachment inquiry, but she's at least using the adjective official and no longer seems to be uh, throwing herself bodily in front of the impeachment train. And uh, the next day, President Trump released uh, a, a transcript or purports to be a transcript of the call, uh, re, you know, from notes, from uh, contemporaneous notes from, uh, you know, national security personnel that were in the situation room and also on the call. Now, the uh, the document we have does bear out Trump's insistence that there was no explicit quid pro quo on the call. He didn't say, you know, you better hammer the the Biden family or there'll be no money for you or anything like that. Um, The rest of it, though, is, you know, not not great. It doesn't uh, look look uh, squeaky clean. Uh, The the president does mention, uh, you know, in the context of this discussion, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, this uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, prosecutor general that uh, Biden apparently uh, got fired uh, during his time as vice president um, and uh, says, you know, it would be great if, uh, you know, you could look into that. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, even if there is no quid pro quo uh, per se in, in the uh, the the record of the call that we have, um, there has been this sort of O.J. Simpson, if I did it vibe to uh, some of the president's denials about a quid pro quo. I mean, he actually said uh, at the to reporters at the at the U.N., uh, he said uh, that he, he there was no quid pro quo, but, uh, quote, I think it probably possibly would have been OK if I did uh, impose that condition on on aid. Um, so uh, this is, you know, let's stipulate that that presidents use foreign aid as carrots and sticks uh, quite regularly. This, uh, this however, is uh, the, uh, at least the allegation is the holdup of foreign aid uh, on the basis of uh, you know, requesting an investigation into your leading political opponent. Uh, that does put you in somewhat different territory than the norm. What does the Constitution say about impeachment? I know you and I have discussed this uh, many times, but it probably bears repeating. Well, it's uh, impeachment is a broad remedy for serious misconduct that demonstrates unfitness for high office, unfitness to wield powers. Um, and uh, people find that, uh, you know, the, the the breadth of high crimes and misdemeanors uh, somewhat frustrating. Uh, you know, Hamilton described it as, uh, you know, aiming at the abuse or violation of some public trust and said it couldn't be tied down by the sort of strict rules that you find in the criminal law. And people find the, you know, the, the uh, enormous gray area there uh, frustrating, as particularly if they support the uh, the particular president that is in the the crosshairs at any time, um, but it really had to be designed that way. There was no way that you could enumerate uh, like an impeachment code of uh, offenses that would indicate that somebody should be impeached and removed for offices, you know, from 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 a particular office. Uh, you know, the human imagination is not that that broad. It would be like trying to enumerate all your rights. So they, they left it uh, somewhat open-ended and capacious deliberately. Um, and I think it's difficult to say that uh, in this case, you know, we're, that, that an inquiry isn't justified. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the three categories we, we've of impeachment cases we've had in uh, our constitutional history. This is from a report that the uh, House Judiciary Committee did during the Nixon era. You know, there's generally three broad categories: uh, abuse of power, uh, corruption, use of the office for corruption or personal gain, and uh, a catch-all that's behaving in a manner gro grossly incompatible with the proper function and purpose of the office, and arguably. Uh, all three are at least alleged here. Uh, you know, imagine if uh, you know Hillary Clinton was uh, 
still serving as Secretary of State during the 2016 campaign, and she uh, leaned on a, a foreign government to uh, uh, investigate Donald Trump's finances. You know, if the shoe was on the other foot, it's really difficult to see Republicans uh, accepting move along. There's nothing to see here a, as an answer. In at least the case of uh, Richard Nixon, when uh, impeachment articles were drawn up, there were three of them, but they listed several specific uh, claims uh, about the president. Uh, is there any reason to believe that articles of impeachment uh, drawn up by the U.S. House would be limited to this event, this phone call and the the events surrounding it? That's well, we're. we're... We seem to be pretty far from uh, articles that the full House is going to vote on it at this stage, uh, and it could go either way. Uh, you know, at the end of this process, the strategy could be for them to focus on one particular salient example, uh, something like this, um, uh, the the, uh, the phone call with the Ukrainian president. Or it could be more of a, a Nixon-style uh, uh, articles that include uh, the, you know, the, the three articles of impeachment for Nixon were obstruction of justice, uh, abuse of power, and uh, resisting lawful inquiries for information from Congress and other bodies. Um, and yes, they included quite quite a bit of detail. Uh, they could end up going either way with this. Uh, you know, there, there have been articles that uh, have been introduced during the first two years of uh, Donald Trump's presidency uh, that have pretty much died in committee. Uh, but some of them have uh, have inclu included quite a bit of detail and ranged further than, say, the obstruction of justice charges that came out of the Mueller report. Uh, so it's difficult to to tell at this stage, uh, you know, if we get to that point, what those articles are going to look like. But it seems certain that uh, Ukraine Gate or Ukraine Gazi or whatever you want to call it is going to be part of uh, any such articles. Presuming uh, that Nancy Pelosi has spent more than a little bit of time thinking about this and how to proceed with an impeachment inquiry, what are the next steps that uh, would be most prudent? Well, I, I'm not giving her strategy advice. Well, I mean, if she if she were definite, if she were clearly interested in getting to the bottom of this and uh, making this a a fairly honest process, what would the steps be? Well, you know, those are two different uh, inquiries. I would say that, you know, what, what's happened uh, in our more recent presidential impeachments is that it's gone to the House Judiciary Committee and the House Judiciary Committee has settled on uh, some articles. They considered uh, uh, two additional articles that they didn't pass in the Nixon case and uh, two additional articles they didn't pass in the Clinton case. Uh, that's what the process has looked like in the modern era. And, uh, you know, the, but there's nothing that uh, requires the the House to to follow that process. Uh, the Constitution's pretty spare about what has to happen procedurally in the House, other than that the House has the sole power of impeachment and uh, that it's done by a majority vote. Um, I think one aspect of what she uh, of her announcement of a quote unquote official impeachment inquiry. Uh, 
it doesn't change that much. He sort of added the adjective official to it, but there's not going to be a preliminary vote by the full House to authorize the inquiry, uh, you know, as there was in the Nixon and Clinton impeachments. And in part, that's because they don't need it as much as they did in the Nixon uh, uh impeachment inquiry because uh, the Judiciary Committee already has uh, subpoena power. Uh, it, it, it didn't in uh, before that vote in the Nixon inquiry. Uh, but it's also in part probably because uh, this way, at least so far, this might save members in vulnerable districts from having to stand to be counted on a vote for an impeachment inquiry that's prior to a vote on an actual articles of impeachment. So uh, I think what's changed is she's no longer standing headlong in the way of uh, something called an impeachment inquiry. But, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't uh, it hasn't changed that much uh, substantively. I think there's a concern about people who uh, take the impeachment process seriously, but but like you believe that it should be considered, uh, if not outright used more often, uh, that if the House fails to uh, take up this it, or in taking up this inquiry, they ultimately fail to uh, end up at either impeachment or uh, conviction that that harms the institution of impeachment. Do you think that's true? It would be pretty tough to harm the institution of impeachment at this stage. Uh, you know, we've had uh, three uh, in, in 230 years of our constitutional history, we've had only three really serious efforts to uh, impeach a president. Uh, you know, if anything, we're in danger of this muscle never being exercised. Uh, and I, I don't buy the argument that uh, unless you know that you've got the votes to convict in the Senate, it's completely, uh, it's a fool's errand to go, uh, you know, down the road of an impeachment inquiry. I mean, it was anything from a, any anything but a sure thing that Richard Nixon would be forced from office at the beginning of the uh, impeachment inquiry uh, after Watergate. Uh, and uh, uh, moreover, I think, uh, Anybody that tells you that they know how this cashes out politically is kidding you or themselves or or, or both. Um, I I don't think that uh, it's said a lot of times that uh, uh, you know the impeachment effort uh, uh, against Bill Clinton was a disaster for the uh, Republicans and. You know they lost some seats in a midterm election, but uh, they ended up uh, controlling the holding all three branches of government in the in the the next election. So uh, not a, a total disaster. Uh, Gerald Ford almost came pretty close to winning the nineteen seventy six election and uh, after the Nixon impeachment, and probably would have if he didn't pardon Nixon. So uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of grounds for for confidence about how all this plays out politically. It's different than the Clinton case. Uh, Bill Clinton was an overwhelmingly popular president at the time that the uh, uh, House GOP decided to to impeach him. Um, and uh, you know, part of this uh, maybe what comes out of this maybe 
some collateral damage to uh, Joe Biden's reputation. Uh, I, I think it's very uh, premature to to uh, to try to to say how this all shakes out. Um, but I, I would say that uh, you know this this process is there for a reason, and I think. Uh, you know, the framers didn't want it used as regularly as, say, you know, we do government shutdowns these days. It wasn't supposed to be an ordinary weapon of political combat, uh, but it, it was a it was a safety valve. It was something that you'd need to use uh, from time to time. I think they might be surprised that, uh, uh, you know, at our current rate, uh, it's only like one in fifteen presidents are. Uh, are are impeached uh, might be considered too too infrequently. Uh, like I said, that this is a remedy that's there for a reason, and uh, it's a muscle that ought to be exercised from time to time. Uh, you know, unless uh, you know, so it doesn't fall into disuse. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of the recent Cato paper, Indispensable Remedy: The Broad Scope of the Constitution's Impeachment Power. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.